for giving me the opportunity to preach. This is something I, I love to do, but it comes with a burden and a passion, and, uh, and I really am grateful for the opportunity of addressing everyone out there. Um, before I get into the reading of the Word, I'd also like to thank my wife. She is my strength. I know I don't thank her enough, but she is what pushes me every moment of every day. She is the reason why I grow. She is the reason why I get better. And it's all because of her. And I want to thank her very much for that. Now, all that's done, let's get into the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 45, verse 21. Amen. It's up here on the board. I'm going to go ahead and read. And the children of Israel did so, speaking of getting ready to go back home and get their father. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandments of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the way. To all of them he gave each man change of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave, them, gave him 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. And so he sent his brethren, and they departed. Now listen to this last part. And he said to them, See that you, sh- you fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. One more scripture while you're standing. Psalms 73 and 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I'm going to preach for just a little bit tonight on this thought. It's a slow fade. It is a slow fade fade. Let's lift our hands up to God one more time and ask that he bless this this message and the rest of this service. Lord, we love you. My God, you are so awesome, so worthy in this place, Jesus. We give you glory and honor. I pray right now, God, that I speak not by wisdom, Jesus, of man, but by your wisdom, God. I pray right now that you allow me, oh Jesus, your anointing and your grace in my life to give these people what you have so thought to give them tonight. I pray each and every soul in this place open their hearts and be willing to receive from you. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. Clap your hands under the Lord as you are seated in this place. You may be seated. Hallelujah. There's been many sermons preached, and I indeed have preached sermons on the thought of walking with God, on the idea of keeping that walk with Him on a constant basis. There have been many great thoughts and many great ideas that have been brought before us uh, here and abroad about keeping on, keeping on, about holding on to the Lord and staying true and continuing that great walk with Him. 
But tonight I perhaps have a little bit of a twist to that thought that the Lord has given me. I have just a little bit of a change I think that we we need to look at. Uh, On October 15th, 1973, a man by the name of Peter Jenkins, not Peter Jennings, but Peter Jenkins, left Alfred, New York on foot. His goal, Florence, Oregon. He was going to walk all the way across the United States. You see, he had this passion to learn more about this great country. He had this, this something that just burned inside of him to want to know more about America. And so he said, the only way that I can do that is by walking, by taking my time and seeing everything that is there to see. And so he set out on that bright morning in October on foot. And yes, he did make his goal, but it took him a little over five years to complete his journey. He saw and was part of many amazing and great things. See, what he would do is he would go to a town and after he ran out of money and he would get a job. And he'd work for a little while and then he'd move on until he had no more money. And he'd stop and he'd work some more. And then he'd move on all on foot. Can you imagine Can you imagine five years of walking? Wow, five years of walking, but he did it. And what he would do, he had some of the most, the coolest jobs, man. He he worked in an oil field offshore of Texas. He herded cattle in Montana. Uh, He he worked in Georgia for a little while for a man who painted little knickknacks, little bitty knickknacks. And he, he, he said it was the coolest thing he ever did. So many cool jobs. But along his way, he, he met a woman. He's walking. I mean, any woman would be, you know, it would be crazy to say, man, this guy's cool. He's walking across the United States. But he met her, and they got married. And she walked with him. That's love. <laughs> that is that, 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 that is love. And he, when people heard that he was coming into their town... They would run out to meet him, just just to praise him, just just to cheer him on. You're doing great. That's awesome. And he'd give him a little bit of a show. He did an interview one time with Larry King, and Larry King said he was the best storyteller that he had ever heard. I would say he had a lot of stories to tell. But along his way, he also met some tragedy. Somewhere on his route, his dog Cooper had started off with him. He got hit by a truck and died. He fell sick in the Rocky Mountains, laid up in a small cabin, and he couldn't even, he didn't have enough strength to get down to get medicine. Thought he was going to die. Four days he was stuck in that cabin. He broke his foot once, had to stop for a while. He himself was hit by a truck one time. But he kept pushing through, and he kept going because he was going to finish. This and many other things, but it did not stop him. You see, we look at that and we say, wow, that's amazing. Wow, how I couldn't even fathom this. Friend, we have the same walk and the same path that is chosen out for us as children of God. But the problem is lots of times something happens and we like to sway off of that route. 
and it pulls us from one side or it pulls us to another side. But you were destined to finish the race. We have been chosen out by the one who created us to run. And let me tell you, friend, run we shall. We shall run with all of our might. I'm telling you, if nobody else in here is willing to finish the race, I am. If nobody else in this house is willing to give it all they got, I am. I don't care if anybody else in here is willing to go through the trials and the hurt, but I am. I'm going to do whatever it takes to see my Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my goal. I'm telling you right now, there is no nothing that can stop me. Not all the devils in hell is going to get in my way and stop me from walking on and stop me from going further and stop me from working harder. I'm going to get all I can get and I'm going to go. We got to keep on moving. The hills are steep. The valleys are low. But we got to keep on moving. We got to keep on walking. The winds are strong. I know. The storms are hard. We got to keep on walking. The storms come when we're fragile and hurt from being beat up by the last one. And we just don't know what to do. We fight it for a while, but then we get even more weak. And no matter what, it just seems like we just, we're, just, we're going down slowly and we can't figure out why. And we get through one and another one comes and it just doesn't seem to go away. It's a vicious cycle. Just keeps on pounding us. And the winds come. And the hard rains come. And they keep beating us down. And they keep, they, they keep blowing us from side to side. And we just can't figure out how to get out of it. There's no release. There's no break. Finances go down. Health goes down. Friends and family are sick. Things you never thought imagined could have happened in your life happen. We can't figure it out. And it gets harder and harder every day. Does that happen to everybody in here? Anybody ever gone through this? I hope I'm not alone tonight. And I can stand up here and tell you, Brother Tony, that because you're saved, you're never going to have a trial. Because you're saved, you're never going to go through it. It's never going to come against you. Brother Williams, it's ne- you're never going to have to worry. It's going to be rich and merry. Friend, that's not the case. <laughs> oh, how I wish. I can't do that. But we do have a way out. And we do have a strength. We do have the sails that go up in the strong winds that take us where we need to go. But we have to be willing to look at that. The problem is we get blinded by the lightning and the hard rain. We can't see. Anybody ever been in hard rain? You can't hardly see your hand. That's when it's not your hands you need to be seeing. Reach out here, bro. That's when he takes you and he pulls you along and he takes you where you need to go. Sometimes it's dark. You might as well just close your eyes and keep on walking. But the key is to keep on walking. The key is to keep on going. It's not to slow down. It's not to worry. It's not to set anchor and say, I'm just going to stay right here for a little while. It's to keep on going. It's to keep on pushing. It's to keep on plowing through. You're going to make it. It's going to happen for you. 
you, I promise if you'll just reach out and grab his hand and allow him to pull you through, you can make it. But we get blinded by the storm. The storm's there for a reason. Let me assure you. It's there for a reason. It has its purpose. It has its purpose. And we can let the storm destroy us if we're not careful. It will destroy you in ways... I'm telling you, it will just, anybody ever seen somebody who went through something so tragic and they're just not the same? You've got to have that anchor. You've got to have that rock that you can lean on. Because with Jesus, there is no storm that strong. But I believe that it's during the storm that God's preparing you for something. Yeah, he's preparing you for what he truly has in store for your life. He's preparing you possibly to unveil his true majesty to you. See, the thing about the storm is we can let it destroy us or we can let it give us strength. We can let it make us stronger. The old saying goes that what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I believe that. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger because next time I get up, I know what's coming and I'm going to go right through it because I've gained the strength, the knowledge, and the understanding and I'm going to keep going whenever it hits me again because it hasn't done nothing but make me stronger. We'll look at Moses in the 33rd chapter of Genesis, then 34th chapter. It was in the midst of the trial and the storm of his life as a leader that God showed him his glory. It was in the moment when Moses thought he couldn't go any further, that he was done. Just can't make it anymore. But you see, he pressed on that far, and he kept on going to that point. And God said, come here, we're done with this now. Let me get you, let me show you what I've been working on all this time. And he called him up that mountain. And he showed him his glory. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe the storm is there for a reason? Maybe it's to draw you closer to the king. Maybe it's to get you so much to the point that you realize that you, truly as the flesh, are so inadequate and you have nothing to bring but God that is within you and the strength that you rely on from him and the glory that he brings you. It was in the midst of the storm that he showed Moses all of his goodness. And then they renewed their covenant. It was in the midst of the trial and the storm when God reached out and said, you're finally done. He pulled him out. And they renewed their covenant together. And God saw it through. And the storm can destroy many things. It can destroy our prayer life. Just don't feel like praying today. I'm so, so down. I'm so hurt. I'm so bothered. I'm so worried. And when your prayer life goes, you better believe your fasting has gone long before that. And some things can only come about by prayer and fasting. And then it's okay to walk away from church. 
you see, I just don't feel God anymore. I just, I don't, I don't really feel him at home. It's because you're not praying. I don't feel him at work anymore. Well, what are you doing with your personal time? And so we slowly diminish out of the church. It's a slow process because we fought for so long and we think there's just no end. And we allow it to slowly eat at us. And then it's okay, honey. You and the kids go to church. I'm, I'm just going to stay here tonight. I just, don't, I just don't feel good. Your classic excuse of Sunday night sickness. Monday morning, man, we sure feel good when it's, you know, go make a couple hundred bucks. Let's go. Amen. It's a classic, classic case. But then, have you ever noticed somebody who starts to fall away from God slowly, how they're so much easier to upset? You ever notice that? They get angry so much quicker. They get upset with you so much, I mean, just so fast. It's unreal. Because their patience goes. You lose your fruits. You lose your fruits. Amen? Amen. I know this isn't a typical Sunday night message, but the Lord really laid this on my heart. No, we can let it destroy us. Or we can let it do what it was designed for. Like I said, it was, it's there for a purpose. Bro, it's designed to make you pray more. Maybe the Lord sent the storm in your life to see if you would just lean on him a little more. Just a little more fasting. That's all I'm asking for. So a little more studying. You can't truly know me unless you get in my word and look, search for me and seek me out. You can't really understand me. It's there to develop your fruits. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits. It's there to give you peace and joy and long-suffering, kindness. But most of all, it's there to develop your faith. The storm is there to develop your faith. Sometimes we say, oh, we've got faith. It's just as a grain of mustard seed. Let me ask anyone in here, would anyone be willing to step out into raging waters just because Christ was at the other end? Peter did it. Now, I'm a good swimmer, but if I'm in the middle of a sea and a hurricane's over here yelling at me, I'm going to probably have a hard time just going, okay. But it's there to develop your faith. It's there to give you more, to give you strength in your belief in God, to give you more of an understanding of what His glory can do, of what His power really is. One man said it this way, Greatness comes not when things go always good for you, But the greatness comes when you really are tested, when you take some knocks, when you get disappointed, when sadness comes. Because only if you have been in the deepest valley can you ever truly know the magnificence of the highest mountain. Only when you've been pressed down and stepped on a little bit can you truly appreciate it when you're not. Only when you've been knocked around a little bit and beat up on can you truly appreciate it when you 
you've got the club in your hand. Only when you have gone through it. Only when you've been in the deepest, darkest hole can you truly give God glory when you stand on the highest peak and you overlook everything and nothing is above you. The storm is there for a reason. Now I truly see the importance of the scripture that says that they will soar on wings of eagles. <laughs> that they will run and not grow weary. That they will walk and not faint. We've got to keep on walking. We've got to keep on going. You see, if you put the Scripture in the spiritual realm, when you first get the Holy Ghost, when you first come to God and you give Him your life fully, it's like you're flying. It's like there's nothing that can touch you. You're above. You're just floating a little bit. And there's nothing that can get in your way. You're so high on God. So high on His Spirit. Then about a month later, you start to come back down from that cloud. And you realize life is still real. You still have to go through some things. You still have to get up every morning and go to work. But you're still running, man. You're still, you're still, you're still chugging along that track. I'm going to go. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to make it happen. And about four or five months later, that you just hit a brick wall. Can't figure it out. You ever notice some of those that come out of the gates faster than the others seem to slow down faster than the others? They get way up on the spiritual high, but they forget that it's a long race. They got to take their time and get through it. They got to take their time. Then you have to walk. The walking is the hard part. It's a slow process. Every day. Every day. 12, 14 hours, 16 hours. 24 hours, then a week goes by, then a month goes by, then six months, then a year. Before you know it, you're 25. My birthday was yesterday, by the way. 25. And you're like, wow, I'm old. And then you look at Brother Larry, who had his birthday a couple days ago. and <laughs> I love you, bro. But it's a long process. It's a long process. But believe it or not, I'm not here to talk about the storm. I just tag John a little bit, give you a little bit of faith. No, I'm not here to talk about the storm. When asked in an interview what it was that caused him to quit the most, Mr. Jenkins replied, it wasn't the tiredness. It wasn't the extreme cold of the mountains or the scorching heat of the Texas summer. It wasn't when my dog died or when I got hit by that car. It wasn't the long nights in the cold rain or even when the strong storms came and blew my stuff away. No, it was the sand in my shoes. It was the sand in my shoes. The smallest thing is what made him want to quit the most. You see, it was that pesky sand that would eat at me every day. And it didn't matter how hard I tried to get it out of my shoes. It would never go away. I'd buy a new pair of shoes, and soon enough, the sand was there again. 
Sounds like us. We put this thing away, but we go back to it. And there it is again in our life. I bought a new pair of shoes, but you see, I had to still walk on the side of the road. And that sand just kept getting in my shoes. That's what happens with us. We finally get it out of our life. And we find the glory of God and the strength to get that out of our life. But then we go back to the same place. And it continues to eat at us. Amen? Continues to, continues to bite us. And, and it's there. And, and, and he said, I could have handled the heavy things. When it got cold, I just bundled up a little more and I sat a little longer. When the rains came, I just set my tent up and I let it beat on the tent. I was all right. But it was that pesky little sand. I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from it. It didn't matter how hard I tried. It's not usually the storms that destroy us. It's not usually the the big, intense things that come into our lives that destroy us. But it's those little things that we don't put away every day like we should. It's those little things that come in our life that we allow to fester. And we allow it to get stronger. And we allow it to eat at us more and more and more until it's finally got us. It's waiting there for that opportunity, that one chance to finally jump on you. It's not the storm. Very few people I've known have ever walked away from God when they found they had cancer. Instead, they get stronger in Him. They come to Him because they know they need Him more. Very few people I know have ever walked away from God when their finances went bad. But instead, they prayed harder. They were at church more. They gave more. It's those little things. See, when the storm comes, we know that eventually it's going to die off. Eventually we're going to see the other end of it. Eventually there's got to be a break in the weather. But when you get sand in your shoes, it never goes away. You can dump them out, kick them off, rinse them out. For some reason, it just never goes away. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's the little things that destroy us. It's the little things. Is this okay tonight? The Bible tells us in the Song of Solomon that it's the little foxes that spoil the bunch. Not the big, mean, aggressive ones. The little ones, little animals. They come and they're the ones that spoil the bunch. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been fighting. Maybe it's bitterness in your heart. I'm not going to preach on that. I should. Maybe it's bitterness towards a brother. Towards a friend. Towards a preacher. He didn't shake my hand tonight. You know, it's been three weeks. It's been three weeks. Thank you. And he hasn't shaken my hand. I'll show him I'm not coming to church. So-and-so did this to me. Boy, that's the last time that'll happen. Bitterness. See, it starts really, really small. It starts really, really small. And it builds up. And the more you get, just like sand, the heavier it gets. The harder it is to go on. 
Bitterness will eat you from within. And I'm telling you, it's not a pretty thing. Anger or hurt, turmoil, you got to clear it up. Get it out. If it's something against the brethren, go talk to him. Get it dealt with. You're only hurting yourself. I want to preach on that. I, oh, the Holy Ghost just hit me. You're only hurting yourself if you don't go and take care of it and you allow it to fester and you allow it to build. You're only drowning yourself because that person doesn't even care. Because they don't even know. Well, they did this. Well, they don't know they did that. Go talk to them. Deal with it. Get it fixed. Because one day somebody's going to look around. Where's Brother Fox? He was here last Sunday. Well, wait a minute. No, he wasn't. You know, come to think of it, it's been a couple weeks. Anybody know where he went? Hey, Brother Fox, how's it going? Missed you at church. Yeah, well, so-and-so said this. And you know what? I just... Telling you. Telling you. It starts small. It starts slow. And it eats at you. And it eats at you until you just can't walk in it anymore. And you try to kick it off. But then you go right back to it. And you, you just you can't make it. It's the sand in my shoes. David, what happened? You were supposed to be at war. Well, you see, I saw this lady. David, you just cursed your family. Think about it. Because of his sin, his son raped his daughter. Because of his sin, he wasn't able to build the temple. Because of his sin, he wasn't able to do the things that he really wanted to do. But see, it started slow and started small. He didn't think about that. Samson, how dare you let her touch your hair? What were you doing in her place anyway? <laughs> Starts off so small. You have no business being with her. Well, she's not that bad. It's okay. She's not going to sway who I am. It's the sand in my shoes. It just keeps eating at me. And it just keeps eating at me. And I know I shouldn't be there, but I just have to go back. And I know I shouldn't do this, but I just have to go back. And eventually she gets a hold of him and she betrays him. And Samson, you are no more. What happened to your glory? What happened to your magnificent hair that God gave you and your strength? Judas, your love for money is far greater than your love for God. My, my. See, it's the little things. Well, love for money isn't so bad. Mm. My Bible tells me differently. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Why do gangsters kill? Why do most people lie? Well, honey, I didn't, somebody gave this to me. I didn't buy that. That Ferrari I got out in the driveway, Brother Robertson, he bought that for me. Don't worry about it. Why did Demas leave Paul? It's the small things. 
to small things. He just enjoyed doing this a little too much. And ate at him every day because he couldn't do it when he was around Paul. And so eventually he just left Paul and he walked away. The Bible says that he has forsaken me for the love of this present world. There is nothing in this world that I love more than I love my Jesus. There is nothing in this world that is more important to me than my God and seeing his wonderful face someday. There is nothing in this life that can draw me away with its lust and its desires. There is nothing that can stop me from keeping on because I love Jesus. I've got my my mind set up. I've got my goal. I've got it planted. I know where I'm going. Oh, Demas, you love this world too much. It's the sand in my shoes. It eats at me every day. It bugs me. Drives me crazy. I hate sand. Somebody here, I just, I honestly, if I could hate anything, I hate sand. My wife and I got married. She lived in Michigan, born and raised, and we went on our honeymoon up to the northern mainland of Michigan where the Great Lakes are. Oh, this is going to be so romantic and so wonderful. We'll just take a stroll on the beach, walk in the wonderful. I'm from Southern Illinois. We don't have sand. Okay, we have dirt, we have clay, he'll, 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 he'll vouch for that. We have nothing but just hard earth. I've never walked in the sand. But, babe, it's just, we'll have so much fun, have a little picnic. and Okay, I get out there, and this thing's just like, it's like glass eating at my feet. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, let's get out of here. And the bad part is we finally get out, and I'm kicking it off. You know, I'm kicking this car, trying to get it off my foot, and it's not coming off. And I go and turn the water thing on, and I'm like, okay, you wash your feet to go out there, and then you wash your feet to get out of there. Can't figure it out. Then I put my shoes, or my socks on and put my shoes on. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. That sand was in those shoes. I'm saying, I I think I threw those shoes away eventually. I could not get it out of those shoes. That's what happens. It's the sand in our shoes. It just, there's something about it that just eats at us and it hurts and and there's pain. and, And we know what it is. It's always there. We know what it is, but we can't get it out. We can't get it away. Well, Brother Down, I just, I don't understand how something so small could bring down someone so big. Well, let me tell you, because unlike the storm that hits you hard and fast, unlike the storm that comes through and it's over in a night, the sand just stays there and just keeps eating at you and keeps nagging you. It stays there, and every time you put those shoes on, it just, it's there. Oh, it's there. The storm gets over with, but the sand is still in your shoes. And then one day you give in to it. It's that woman on the job that just won't leave me alone. I don't want to talk to her. I have, I don't want to talk, but she just, she's always there. And then one night it's, babe, I'm going to be home late tonight. It's the sand in your shoes. And eventually, just like the children of Israel, you fall by the wayside. 
And you can't figure out how you got there. You can't figure out why you ended up where you ended up. Because it was the sand in your shoes. See, the Bible tells us that the stone is heavy. But the sand is weighty. It's a big difference. You pick something up, it's heavy. You're only going over there with it. That's done. You pick something up and you've got to walk halfway across the world with it. It becomes weighty. It's a burden. It's always on you. And it drags you down. And it's pulling on you. And it's pushing on you. And you can't, you just, you're falling and you don't understand why. Because the sand is weighty. You can take rust off steel with sand. You can take paint off walls with sand. And when it gets in your shoes, it is the worst thing that can ever happen. You see, you must protect your feet. The foot is the most sensitive part of our body. In the military, they teach you, I don't care how wet it is outside, keep your feet and your socks dry. We have some military people in here, they'll tell you. Keep them dry. Why? Because as long as your feet are safe, usually you won't get that bad, bad cold. You won't get that extremely bad sickness. But more importantly, if you hurt your feet, you can't walk. Now hear me. Hear me. If you allow the sand to eat at your feet for so long, that eventually, as the scripture said in the beginning... My feet were almost gone. It eats at you so much. And then it wears them away. And when you can't walk, you can't fight. And when you can't fight, you ain't going to win. It's the sand in my shoes. It is impossible, impossible to get sand out of your shoes. I'm telling you. It is the hardest thing that you'll ever do. But you see, if you look back at that, that, that scriptures I read to you about the children of Israel, it said he sent his brethren away. There was more than one of them. They were together. Another word for together would be unified. They were unified. So when one of them got sand in their shoes, the other one was there to pick them up. I said, everything I said to get to this point, it's impossible to get sand out of your shoes. It truly is. It is impossible to make those shoes the way they were. But when you have a brother and you have a sister, they can pick you up and take you on. Amen? Unity. Unity. This church will never truly see the revival that God is so, so wanting to pour out on it if we don't have unity. 
We've got to have unity. Galatians 6 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Not, man, I can't believe you did that. What's wrong with you? Hey, bro, I'm praying for you. I love you. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. I mean that with all my heart. If there's anything I can ever do, let me know. Spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. Mm, My, my. Can't cast the beam out of his eye. You got a moat in your own. My bad, vice versa. But it goes on to say, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You didn't know that it was law to be unified, did you? It was biblical law to be one. It was scriptural law to be as one body before God. None of us were ever intended to make it by ourselves. Otherwise, he wouldn't give us brothers. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said by fulfilling the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. You say, but brother, you go down and it says for every man shall bear his own burden. Sure it does. Verse 5. But just before that, it says, Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing. Yeah. See, the verse 5, the word burden means the task or service. Carry your weight. We're all part of one body, right? Do what God has asked you to do in that body. Do your job. The Lord didn't just save you so that you can sit around. He saved you for a purpose and for a reason. And where we might all not be up here with the microphone preaching, you have a job. You have a responsibility in the church of God. You have a place right now in this house. You have a place that God has called you to. And you need to be doing that. You need to bear your own burden. But that's not what verse 2 says. No. Bear ye one another's burdens. That word burden means weight or load. Brother, I know it's been hard on you. I know it's been heavy. I know you just, I know it hurts. I know it's hard. But you know what? I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to bear your burden. I'm going to take it upon myself. Stand with me in this place. And like I said, I know this isn't my typical message. Not as boisterous as you are used to. But friends... Let me make it very clear. You will never, ever be able to get the sound out of your own shoes. Never. But just as Jesus knelt down on his knees that day 
and wash the disciples' feet in the semblance of us today. We must be willing to do the same for our brethren. Storms come and go. Hardships, they're always going to be there. But it's that pesky little sand that just drives me crazy. It's that stinking little sand that won't allow me to be. We must have enough humility in our hearts. And we must have enough love for our church and our brethren to be willing to get down on our hands and knees and clean their feet. We must be willing to get down and clean their feet for them sometimes. Because they're not going to get the sand out by themselves. But I can get the sand out of your shoes, Brother Strunk. I can wash your feet for you when it gets tough. I can be there for you when you don't think you can go any further. I can pick you up. And I can help you. Just as the brothers, the children of Israel, went together. If we will ever expect to see what God has for us in our lives, we must humble ourselves. We must do it now because time is so short. And there are many that are hurting, many in this church that are going through things. And all they need is a little support. All they need is a brother or a sister to reach out and say, give me your shoes. I'll clean them for you. I'll clean them for you. I make a challenge to each person that is in this house under the sound of my voice. Find somebody and get a prayer partner in your life. Find somebody that no matter what you know, that they're going to be on their face for you. And you do likewise for them. You'll never be able to get the sand out of your own shoes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You'll never be able to grow as a church. We've seen great things happen, but we're not to that level yet. We have to get a sense of unity. We have to get a sense of teamwork. We have to bear one another's burdens. I'm going to open these altars, but I'm going to ask that when you come, you find somebody else to pray for. You find somebody that you love, that you care about. Everybody in this church has somebody like that. And you get on your knees and you pray for that person. And you don't pray so that you're being seen to pray. And you don't pray so that they see that you're doing it. But you pray because you dearly, dearly want to see that person make it.
because in your heart of hearts it would just kill you to know that they fell by the wayside and you could have picked them up but you didn't these altars are open please as a church it's time that we bind together it's time that we become one so that God can do what he wants to do in our lives
Shine. 